Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Backstage With, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes with your favourite actors and creatives in the world of musical theatre. I'm Mikey Worrell. Today we're going backstage with Julie Atherton, who's directing Bear, a pop opera, at The Vaults in South London. This is the second show that Julie has directed. As an actress, she's best known for playing Kate Monster and Lucy the Slut in the original West End cast of Avenue Q, and she's also appeared in Sister Act, The Last Five Years, Lift the Musical, Therese Rakan, and The Grinning Man. We recorded this episode at The Vaults just before technical rehearsal started. There was quite a lot going on. It's a great space, but it's very open, so noise carries everywhere. We ended up sitting in the stage manager's room, which was a little bit pokey, and it was also being used to store the props. So we were surrounded by little packets of drugs, bottles of altar wine, Romeo and Juliet scripts, and anti-gay propaganda. Here's our conversation. Julie Atherton, welcome to Backstage With. Thank you very much. It's so lovely to meet you after seeing you in so many different things over the years. So thank you for taking time out of rehearsals to talk to me. Lovely to meet you too. You're directing Bear. I am. A show that has had a couple of incarnations over the years. Started out as Bear, a pop opera, then off-Broadway as Bear, the musical in 2013. Tell me about the version you're doing. We're doing the original, the pop opera. Yeah, we're just trying to get it back to its bare bones, really, excuse the pun. Was it 2004 when it was first? It was like early noughties, wasn't it? Um, Yeah, 2004. How have you made it bare in 2019? Well, we've updated it because I think it was, it's kind of too close to the time to do the actual time. It just feels dated. Yeah. So yeah, we've completely updated it. You wouldn't think that this show was relevant today, but it really, really is. Just read social media at the moment and it's fascinating and depressing as well how much this show is needed yeah even in the last month or so with all this why gay pride is needed and all oh. of that it feels like it's all just come back again from i yeah. mean it was always it's there, just those but... weird people that suddenly pipe up and say oh why don't we have straight pride oh jesus it's like <laughs> White lives matter too. What? I know. <laughs> and the people that are now campaigning to get plastic straws back in McDonald's, like, are you stupid? <laughs> so, this is for people just don't like them. change, do they? <laughs> um, there have been and are a lot of LGBT-based musicals and plays being put on at the moment. How do you feel about those being in vogue? And I'm really interested to know about body type representation in a way, how you feel about that. Because, you know, with things like The Inheritance and there's a play at the Southwark Playhouse at the moment, a lot of the time when there is nudity, you see one type of of person. And if you don't have abs, you're not in the cast. How do you feel about that? Absolutely. I mean, that was one of my things when when we did Club Mex at the Hope Mill Theatre. One of the stipulations was, I don't, I want the girls to be real. I don't want the girls to be stick thin, especially the one getting married. So I was like, what message does that send? Only thin girls get married. So it was really important that the girls were real and just talented. <laughs> and it wasn't about anything about how they look. But this show in particular, that it tackles that issue. So yeah, it was a very different casting process. We couldn't be as blind because specifically they have to be those type of roles so that we can tell that story. Of course. 
This is your second outing as a director. You mentioned Club Max at the Hope Mill, obviously, at the start of the year, and now this. Is directing what you hoped it would be? Oh, I love it. Yeah, absolutely love it. I love the fact that I get a part in trying to change the system slightly as well and make it a more open forum and treat us all as creatives rather than just saying the the creatives the and team. the cast yeah. yeah it's just it's it's a collaboration and that's what theatre should be and yeah just being open and honest about everything keeping nobody in the dark about things I don't think it's helpful especially when we're all trying to achieve the same goal I think as soon as you start leaving people out of certain decisions or you know it doesn't become their show anymore and yeah of course ultimately I'll have the final decision but you know I want to know that everybody's happy and you know explain my reasons why and hope that they're on board with the same reasons which so far they have been (laughs) (laughs) is there anything that you've brought to this process that you've picked up from other directors you've worked with in the past where you've gone oh I liked how they did that I'll take that and I'll take this from this show and yeah I think subconsciously I've taken something from every job I've done really as, as how how to do things how not to do things you know how I felt as part of a team yeah, and just being empathetic to every member, really, and just giving everybody the freedom that they need and not <laughs> trying to be not too much of a dictator. <laughs> but ultimately, you, you have to, like you say, you have to make those decisions. Have you found anything trickier than you expected it to be, having worked as an actor and then taken on this role? Just budget. That's what everybody finds tricky in these situations, because, you know, if you have endless supplies of money, that, that there's, you know, you can play with anything. And all you need to do is cut things, which is easy, but you can add all of these. You can try all the ideas you have in the world, but mainly it's, okay, so this is the dream. So that's normally how I start. So this is the Palladium version. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's trying to make your idea, which usually is an expensive idea, to work on a shoestring budget, which is so exciting because sometimes something comes out that you you would never have thought of had you have not tried to do the budget version so it's interesting it's exciting sometimes it's disappointing because you don't you know your your vision that you had is very different but I think as long as the bones of the show are there you should be able to do it without sound lights and money just not without people people, yeah so pay your actors (laughs) (laughs) you're about to start tech today we haven't seen the full vision yet, but how close is it to what you originally had in your head with this show? What I originally had in my head is very different. <laughs> Did you want the Palladium version? Uh, no, 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 because I pictured it in this space. But yeah, there's some, there's lots of logistic, logistics and reasons that we can't have it a certain way round. And yeah, it's, it's generally due to budget. So yes and no. Okay. <laughs> Going back to the casting process, you said it was it was very different for this show, and you didn't necessarily have the freedom that you would like because of the story and having to be on, yeah. um, honest and, and truthful to the story. What was it like? And and I guess with Club Mex as well, being on the other side of that process, being behind the table. I mean, it was fascinating and liberating as well because it was nice to be able to make somebody feel at ease. It's, yeah, that's something I find irritating in auditions when if casting directors get annoyed at you or something for not you know necessarily have learnt the seven songs that they've sent you (laughs) and it's like I have I just would rather read it because you know and everybody's got a different story before they come in but also these people are coming in 
and taking their time out of the day for free. You're the one getting paid behind the desk. So it's up to you to be grateful that they've come all that way and done all that preparation for free when they're trying to earn a living in London, which is very difficult. <laughs> so, yeah, it was nice to be empathetic to that. You know, treat people... They're a bag of nerves when they come in, and it's a very different nerves to show nerves. And um, performers understand that. Sometimes casting directors don't understand that. I'm saying sometimes because there's some amazing casting directors out there. I'm not having a go at anyone in particular. Um, just saying sometimes that gets lost in translation because we just forget what everybody else is doing because everybody's concentrating on their own job, of course. Um, but I think it's really important because you, you can only get the best out of people if they feel comfortable and if they feel safe. So that was a really big deal of mine to <laughs> definitely make them feel comfortable and safe. Have you had any particular audition nightmares that yes! when you did then go into the side of the table made you go, I would never do that 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 person did to me or anything like that? Yeah. Can you go into any specifics? Ah! Or are you still, are you traumatised by it? <laughs> I was like eye-rolling when you forget the words to the seven scenes and seven songs that you've been sent two days before when you've already got two jobs on. <laughs> eye-rolling in, like, no. Yeah, things like that. It's it's all really harmless stuff and it's, I, I think, yeah, you should just say, it's not a memory test, of course you can pick up the words. Thank you for coming in. <laughs> you know? it's, it's not an environment I've ever I've ever been in. <laughs> Certainly not professionally. And it just sounds like, at times, politeness and manners just can kind of... Yeah. Go. It sounds like it can be quite toxic. It can be, yeah. And it's and it's because... There's lots of reasons, but, you know, it's it's stressful as well, trying to find somebody and, you know, when people cancel and, you know, it can be quite stressful, but you've just got to remember that it's stressful on all sides. Everybody's working towards the same goal. I think it's just keeping that perspective, really. Because there can be, in businesses like this, in any business, there can be hierarchy and ego involved and uh, wobbly-headedness, as I like to say it. I like it. <laughs> Wobbly-head syndrome. What, <laughs> what is generally your attitude towards auditions where, as an actor when you've been in in the past? Are you focusing on just going in there and doing a good audition and tr- trying to enjoy it without worrying necessarily about getting the job? Or is it for you, end game here, get the job? Of course, get the job, but I love it when auditions are treated like rehearsals, which is what they should be, because both parties are learning whether they can work with each other and, you know, whether you can take direction and learning about the show that you haven't done yet or even rehearsed for. So I think it's really important that you have that conversation before you start doing any work and then you do work rather than... Unless you're coming in to sing your own song, fine. But if you're working on the material, I I think there needs to be that kind of rehearsal vibe rather than performance straight away because I think that's quite impossible to just do the end result straight away when you've had no conversation with the director about their vision. We obviously know you very well from your acting career in Avenue Q and Sister Act and Lift and many other things but I really want to know how you discovered musical theatre, how you decided it was right for you and how you found your voice. Wow, I was a bit useless at school. (laughs) It's in not useless, but I wasn't really interested in anything in particular until I found drama and art and music. I was like, ah, I'm that fish they talk about <laughs> that's been told to climb a tree. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that school didn't do it for me until there was something creative going on and then I thrived. 
So, yeah, discovered that I wanted to do that. My drama teacher pushed me at Sixth Form College and, yeah, I just went for an audition for drama school. Got in and thought, yes, this is exactly what I want to do for the first time I was actually interested in something. And, yeah, it's interesting you say found your voice because... Uh, well, you have a, a unique sound. <laughs> you know, you can... If, if you hear, have a lineup of musical theatre voices, you, you sing and it's like, oh, that's Julie Adderton. But that's amazing because I, I like... I was pretty mute as a child like I didn't speak a lot not when I was a teenager I was I spoke all the time I think (laughs) as a teenager but it took me a while to literally find my voice then even at drama school I think they were always just trying to work on my confidence just terrified terrified of everything and the reason I say it's interesting is because I do think females find it hard to find their voice in musical theatre especially and this is through no fault of anyone's but men do write differently for women and a lot of the times composers seem to sit women in a high register and I just don't think, I think we should sing from our speaking voices because that's authentic and that's how you listen to what somebody has to say and I just don't make, it doesn't make their point as valid. It's a bit like, and the man has valid point and the woman, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> it's a bit naggy <laughs> and uh yeah, I've always found that when, when a woman gets emotional on stage, it, get, it just, you have to sing in the rafters. It's like, I just don't think, if, if a woman is mad at you, does she, does she speak up here or does she speak down here? It's very true. I, I, yeah, and I, I don't know, I, th- I just feel that we're not as valid on, on stage. It's getting better, obviously, but only because we're shouting about it. Um, it may be annoying for some people, sorry, but... Um, no, don't be sorry. It's more annoying for women having to play the virgin or the whore. Like, <laughs> there's, there's more to that. <laughs> well, I was reading um, not that long ago a very similar thing about composers writing for women, putting everything really high. Do you think it almost it's unfair that it rules out so many people who would be perfect to embody a character, but if they can't belt the top G, they can't do it? Yeah, I just think it should be written around the, the human that you have. And so many girls are losing their voices from doing these ridiculous shows. Eight times a week. <laughs> yeah. I think I just think a lot is expected when, you know, because there are some incredible people that it just doesn't touch them. But I think expecting a lot of people to do that is, it's, it's much, isn't it? It's tough. <laughs> it is. Do you think composers, and especially in terms of long-running shows, do you think they should be more open to rewriting when there is a new cast coming in, or even on a smaller scale? so that they can be more flexible with casting. If, so if someone could be right for it in every way, but if they haven't got that range, they say, oh, we'll just bring it down. Because that doesn't really happen very much. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, sometimes it does. It used to happen more. But yeah, I guess I, it just depends. But if somebody can do it, obviously, I understand. But yeah, I just think there needs to be more female composers, just so we've got that side of the story as well. And there just isn't enough at the moment. And until that's equal... I don't think people will stop shouting about it, really. And it's all very well to shut it down and say, yeah, but everything's fine now, everything's fine. Just look around and just look at the creative teams on every show. That It's, it's not changing quickly at no. all. No, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. So I mean, even the Tony Awards Best Director category, there was one woman direct. I mean, it's a different scene over there, I get it, but one woman director on Broadway mm. this season. In 2019. What? Yeah, that's not good. Is it's it? not. No. It's not. And I mean, I say it's a different scene. It's not that different. We're passionate. We are talking of singing <laughs> high. 
um, which was something you did in Avenue Q quite a lot. (laughs) I remember the first time I saw you was the Royal Variety performance, Avenue Q 2006 at the Coliseum when you were on TV. I heard another interview with you where you said that you were in quite a difficult time before you got that show and that job came to you at the best possible moment because it was before things could get any worse. How how was it going from that kind of life into this vacuum of constant publicity? That is the life of an actor. It's constant. One minute you can't afford anything. (laughs) You're like, how am I going to get somewhere today? I don't even have a bus fare. And the next minute you're rubbing shoulders with all these celebrities at some swanky bar somewhere, (laughs) thinking, how did I get here? But it definitely keeps you grounded. But I think most of it is trying to survive in London. That's the hardest thing. But, yeah, I, th- I just think it's very normal for a, for an actor, and I think it should be that normal. It's, it's really difficult, but you've got to really know you want to do it to go through that. But I'm sure... I mean, there's, there's the odd person who's, like, plucked from drama school and <laughs> given God status. But yeah. most people... Even if they've done an amazing job, you know, sooner or later, like, oh, I can't afford my rent. <laughs> what am I, I going like to do? I feel like the bells in the background, it's all very doomsday, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> but it, the highs are so high. The lows are really low, but the highs are so high. But A life know. of extremes, basically. Absolutely. You must have fun memories of that show, though, because you, went, you yeah. went back to the Gil Good and it was just such a fun part. Yeah. Did you have feel that ownership? I mean, do you still feel that ownership of, of Kate and Lucy? Yeah. I just, I mean, not ownership, but I just miss them. <laughs> it's really hard leaving that behind because usually you just leave a costume behind with the show, but with that, there were little people. I don't miss Lucy as much. <laughs> we didn't get on as much. I found her difficult. She doesn't like women. <laughs> no. <laughs> but she just had so much hair and nails. There was, there was a lot to go wrong with Lucy. <laughs> There's lots of things that could get caught. She's got these false nails on the end and they were always getting caught in her hair. And sometimes you'd just spend a whole number with their arm like back to front because <laughs> the nails were stuck in the hair. But yeah, just nightmarish things like that. They were always very funny, but, but yeah, I really miss Kate. Oh. <laughs> If there was ever a scenario where you could do it again, would you? Yeah. Oh, really? Definitely. Not for too long, because I think it'd hurt. <laughs> That's what everyone seems to say. It's, it's a funny one, because nowadays, lots of shows like that seem to get filmed for posterity and shown in cinemas and what, and it, and it just, it's a shame that that era, sort of late noughties, yeah. it never happened. Because I, I feel like that, that, certainly the original cast just... Oh. Like, there was just something like gold dust special. about about yeah, all of you. Very special. But you you went back and you got to do it again. And what when you get that call, do you go fab? Yeah, great. Need the money and what a great show to go back to. Or do you go? Mm, is this the right thing to do? You do both, and then you just got to go with your gut. And my gut was saying, I love that show. I can't not do it again. And it was supposed to be the last four months. So they said, Would you come back for the last four months? I was like, Absolutely yes. <laughs> So, but, but then, then the it carried didn't on. Die. It didn't die, and so I did another four months, and then I just couldn't do any more physically. But I, I would have done it and done it and done it if it just wasn't causing me a bit of pain, really. You must have had to have like physio and all sorts. Lots of physio, yeah. Yeah, we had a massage every week, which you'd think, oh, that's really cool. You get a massage every week, but 
that was before two shows on a Friday and then the next day you'd have two shows on a Saturday. So that that was your massage. So you'd kind of go, oh, that's better, and then do four shows in a row. (laughs) You kind of need one on the the Monday as well. Exactly. Or on the Sunday. (laughs) When you went on to do the Sister Act tour and various other things after that, did you realise that your profile had grown to that level? Because you, you, you are very well known in the industry. Sure. And Avenue Q... No, it's true. <laughs> and Avenue Q definitely like catapulted you to that sort of level. Were you aware of it at the time? Um, not really, I guess. No, I just got on with the work, really. And, yeah, I was doing an album at the same time. And... Uh, no, I mean, I, I still don't think, like, no one's really heard of me. <laughs> Only musical theatre people that pay attention. But there are a lot, there are a lot of those people. Yeah. I think we, under, we all underestimate how, how many of those people there are. You haven't done that many tours, have you? Sister Act was, was one of the few, uh, is that I've right? I've done two. Just two? Yeah. Do you, do you reflect on that in, a, in any particular way? You know, I, mean, I guess you got to go back up near home, or...? Yeah, I, it's really lovely to you know go places where you wouldn't normally go because if you just do it in London all the time you just get the same people coming to see you but yeah like going to Edinburgh and going to Ireland and it's incredible the theatre scenes there are still buzzing and you just think oh everything's happening in London but it really isn't Manchester oh I love Manchester but yeah my family get to come and see me not that they don't come and see me in London but it's just easier for them of course I get I get that whole thing about London like coming from a northern family my parents like oh it's far yeah exactly. I used to live in Manchester and they used to just love hopping over the M62 whereas now they're like oh oh I just don't know if we can get the train you know we have to go to Doncaster good job we don't live in Australia the next town is like I said this yesterday I was like America people live like seven hours away from their parents I'm three hours down the M1 it's not not that bad I remember coming to see you in Lyft at the Soho Theatre with a creative team that you'd worked with quite closely before. Yeah. That was that was a really special show. It had sort of rent vibes with the whole standing in a row thing. That really felt like something special. What yeah. did you take away from that experience? I absolutely adored the cast, creatives. The whole process was incredible. But I guess what we took away from that process is no matter how good you feel something is or how popular it may seem at the time because it was sold out most of the time nothing else is gonna happen with it if nobody gives you lots of money to do so so yeah that's such a shame i'm still waiting for craig to have his massive break that he deserves actually you talk about you know given being given money to then do it again I struggle to pronounce this show. I saw it and I... Therese Raquin. Yeah, yeah, it's the surname. How do you do the surname? Teresa Raquin, we're saying yeah. most of the time. Um, Therese Raquin. Raquin. Okay, Raquin. great. Great. I mean, French. that started at the Finborough, am I yeah. right? I saw it at the park in Finsbury Park. And then it did It did New York, didn't it? So... Did it? I don't yeah, know. it did. It went to, <laughs> I had relatives who were like, oh, we just saw this show, Therese Raquin. And I was like, oh, oh really? really? Was that the was that Craig's one or was that a I play? Think, I think it was the same. I might be wrong, but I think it wasn't long afterwards, which is yeah, why I thought amazing. it was the same one. But that show was intense. I, I came in not knowing anything, and then you're yeah. doing like card games, and it's all quite dark. Yeah, but, really. And dark. you didn't speak no. for ages. Did Yay! You? I was unmute. That was a really hard. That was, That's why it was a good show. Because <laughs> I didn't open my mouth. <laughs> well, no, you did. You did after a certain. If memory serves, yes. you did after a certain point. Yes. I can't remember. My first line was an orgasm. 
Oh, great. I mean, that's a memorable part. <laughs> yeah. Great. Another great one for my mum to come and see. <laughs> How, actually, that's a really interesting point. When you're doing things as Lisa the Slut or having when your first line is an orgasm, how do you get over that? My parents are in tonight I and mean, I have to go out and do My mum just rolls her eyes. Like, oh, well. But she loves it, really. <laughs> but but yeah, I think it's embarrassing for her to bring her friends. And that's the only thing. <laughs> oh, my daughter's in this. Oh. Yeah. yeah, she has puppet sex in it. What? <laughs> First time, though, she did say to me, so does that mean, if you do everything the puppets do, does that mean that you have to... No, Mum, I don't have to get naked as well, just the puppets. <laughs> she didn't quite get that. I really wanted to ask you about the last five years as well, because you've done that a couple of times. Yeah. That's a show that is... It's, it's very niche, but it's very well known as well. Hmm. What's the magic of, of that to you, in terms of the two-hander, the smaller theatre... Do you prefer doing that to the bigger stuff that you've done? Oh, that's difficult. Yes and no. I like both, really. But yeah, there is something special about doing a spe- definitely a two-hander. I mean, it's lonely. Because every time he was on stage, I was off stage. So I was a bit like, do-do-do-do-do, no one to mess around with. Yeah. <laughs> really is, it, is that quite hard from a discipline point of view? Or are you just like, oh, just plodding along? I suppose no, you're, you're in the moment, obviously. Absolutely in the moment. It's when I'm on stage. Oh, here we go. It's when yeah. I'm off stage. But I just found myself trying to put him off in the wings. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, he's on stage. And I'm trying to put him off because I've no one to play with backstage. And I, I need that in a show. I need to play when I'm backstage. Okay. Keep it, keep the energy up. This is your second outing as a director. Will you ever go back? Will we see you on stage again? Yes, of course. I haven't given up. I, I can do, I'm a woman, I can multitask. Oh God, I realised how that sounded and that's not what no, I was oh, going no, no, for no, 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 I know you didn't mean that, but it is funny that in the UK, people are like, oh, so you're not doing that anymore, you're doing this. You're like, no, I'm doing both, is that okay? But totally it's okay. kind of more accepted in America, isn't it? I yeah. think you can be more than one thing, but over here, it's feared. It's like... I was just really intrigued to see whether or not you'd gone, that's it now. Or, I mean, it's it has to be the right thing now. I really want to know who your inspirations are. Who do you look up to, whether that's in your personal life or you, like in the industry? Oh my god! It doesn't have to be a, a name. Um, I look up to the people I work with. Really, there's so many talented people in this industry that get ignored as well, and uh, yeah, and I've met. I'm just meeting more and more every day, more talented people. And yeah, I just don't, I guess I look up to my friends and peers. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank um, you. I, f- I wish people could see us in this uh, <laughs> in stage manager's office room. we were told it was going to be. And there's there's drugs are, all over the table. Sitting amongst the drugs, props. Yeah, I should they're just, props, yeah, they're they props. Are, we promise we're not going to yeah. get high after this. Yeah, oh, quick line. Oh, there, <laughs> there, uh, there, are, there is some altar wine that we could go at. Oh, altar wine, great. Love holy wine. <laughs> 75%. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I've got to say, my favourite bit of that interview was when Julie was talking about who inspires her and someone starts vacuuming in the background. So glamorous. Anyway, you can see Bear, a pop opera, at the vaults until the 4th of August. To find out who's taking us behind the scenes next, make sure you subscribe to Backstage With on your usual podcast app. And we'd love it if you could leave a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>